Welcome to Angels Live, a podcast talking to angel investors and entrepreneurs. In our episodes, we will dive into the why and how our guests got started and what's important navigating the startup journey. This is where you can learn more about how jobs are created, innovation is sparked, and tap into what's happening in your local community. I'm Marsha Dawood. And I'm Warren Spiewak. Our mission is to be your gateway to the Angel Capital Association and an inside look into the startup world. Well, today is a very interesting episode of Angels Live. Marsha Dawood, you're in Houston, Texas. Warren Spiewak, I'm right here in front of you. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. And we've got Scott Gale here from Halliburton Labs. He's the executive director. Scott, how are you? I'm doing great. It's good to be here with you both. It's interesting because here we are. You guys have been at the Rice University business plan. Competition, yeah. Competition. Pitch competition. Judging. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of really interesting things we're going to talk about. Marsha, I know we're going to span a few subjects as we dive into Scott and his role here at Halliburton Labs, what they do. Let's touch on that a little bit. Yeah, we're going to hear a lot about the ecosystem in Houston. We're excited to learn a little bit more about that because Scott's going to tell us a little bit about how Halliburton Labs is a scalarator, which I absolutely love that <laughs> word as my new favorite word. So we're going to hear about that. And, you know, Rice University is doing their business plan competition this week. And it's so interesting when you look at the different types of companies that they have in the competition, everything from healthcare to all kinds of interesting things. Last night, somebody was talking about taking plastics, the plastics that you recycle, and making sportswear out of it. I mean, incredible innovation that's happening. And the Rice Business Plan Competition is just so interesting and so innovative. So really excited that that's happening here in Houston. And just to get a little bit of a lay of the land of what Houston's has happening, and then also just what's happening in Texas in general. Yeah. And Scott, I'm just going to warn you that as Angels Live, as a co-host here, as someone who our mission really is to make people who are listening, whether they're already investing with an angel group, maybe they're an entrepreneur, but a lot of people are just spectators, right? They've, they haven't put their toe in the water. I am going to dive into a little bit about your history. What kind of led you down this road to ultimately this role that you have? So you ready to kick it off? Sure. Yeah. Great to have you both here on campus today. Um, really excited to have the discussion and lots of really interesting things going on kind of in the Houston community around entrepreneurship broadly. But Halliburton Labs is in it's a, nearest akin to a startup accelerator. It's a collaborative environment where entrepreneurs, investors, members of academia and industrial labs can come together to advance cleaner, affordable energy. That's our mission. It is a 12-month formal program of a mix of formal curriculum, but it is intended to provide access to Halliburton's facilities, whether that's our laboratory facilities, our manufacturing facilities, or otherwise, not only here on this campus in Houston, but also whatever we have at our disposal around the world. Also access to our people, so a lot of what we do is curate mentorship engagements across the Halliburton landscape, as well as our extended business network. And so we spend a lot of time curating relationships with the VC community, the investment community at large, to create sort of a, a swirl of money for our participant companies. And so that's 
quick hit what we're up to, but happy to talk in more detail or as we get into it. Tell us a little bit more about the types of companies that you're helping. Sure. So we're trying to position ourselves as, I like to use the word scalarator. So we want to be kind of a graduate program to other accelerator or incubator programs that are out there. And a couple of reasons behind that and why that sort of influences the stage of companies that we're looking at is as we sort of looked out across the landscape, particularly those companies that are working on tangible tech or tough tech kinds of things, hardware, material science, chemistry, the kinds of resources that were available to them relative to those that are building startups around software and kind of digital AI, ML, all those things, there just was a gap. And so the kinds of companies that we're looking for are going from one to 10, not from zero to one. So it's not an idea on the back of a napkin. They've got maybe a proof of concept already under their belt. The science is settled, so to speak, but they're preparing now to scale. So instead of making a liter of something on a bench top in a lab, they need to now make a thousand liters of it a week. It becomes more of an engineering challenge than a scientific challenge. So that's one key point. The other is around nearing or at first revenue pursuing their first institutional raise. So it's kind of in that seed to series A bridge, typically, that we're looking for. But I would say we go a little earlier, we go a little later, sort of depending on the circumstances. So I love the word scalarator <laughs> because there are so many times that you hear about a company who's been either with an incubator, and for our listeners, that's usually like really early. And sometimes it means also that they might have a place that they would go. Well, this was before COVID, but a place that they would go where they would have some real estate that they would set up their offices in. Or an accelerator, which is basically a program that would take company, you know, from the back of a napkin idea, put a team around it, put a business plan together. But then you get to a point where, okay, now you have a team and you have a product and you're trying to get some manufacturing done. And that's where a lot of companies really struggle. Yeah, it was certainly clear that there's a lot of really great incubator and accelerator programs out there. And often in accelerator programs, it's maybe a a seven-week or a 12-week really intensive experience that's focused on how to incorporate, how to be a founder, how to secure your IP, all really important foundational things. But then afterwards, it's kind of just like, well, good luck. And there's this, especially, again, for these tough tech-based companies, you need more patient capital. Oftentimes, the VC model doesn't flange up very well with where they're at in their journey. And so- we really looked internally and said, listen, we've got a lot of skill sets and capabilities as a hundred year old organization taking hardware and tough tech to scale. And so what would it take to be able to package that up and put, as I like to say, an industrial wrapper around a participant company to help them as they prepare for scale. And so 12 months is enough time, we think, to sort of help them really take those next steps. And where do these companies come from? So where do you identify the types of founders that you can bring into this great thing that's happening here at Halliburton Labs? Sure. They come from lots of different places. Honestly, we found that as we've sort of jumped into the startup community and really have tried to take a give first mentality and approach to that. And as we build what we like to think is a founder first environment, we can talk about the nuances and the details of that as as needed. But we're agnostic to deal flow in in terms of source. And so what we find is we share a fence line with a lot of different players and participants out there. So 
We spend a lot of time with well-known incubators like a Greentown Labs or a Cyclotron Road out of Berkeley, Techstars, many others, not only here in the U.S., but also Startup Nation out of Startup Nation Central out of Israel, Codebase out of the UK, Station F out of France. We're a global organization, and so we try and drive connectivity and relationship with like-minded folks that are trying to help support these companies. And again, we don't think we are like the end-all in scaling technology. We're just another voice in the choir, but it's we think is a unique place depending on where a company's at in its journey. And so we pull participant companies from every corner of the world. Wow. And then tell us more about the program. How long does it last and how are they finished? What, what, what does success look like? Sure. So the program is a, a 12 months in duration. We bring on three cohorts a year. And so that starts with an application process, which is live now. Our applications are open until April 23rd for our pitch event that'll take place on May 21st for our summer cohort. And then we'll do another one again in September and then another in January of next year. The last one we did was December of last year. And our goal is to bring on 12 to 15 companies annually. And so three, four or five companies in each cohort. And then when they come on board, they sign a participation agreement, which includes a safe document. And so we take 5% equity in the form of a safe. We also award a $100,000 cash investment prize to every participant that is selected. And then the programming kicks off. Right now we have 16 weeks of formal programming. It sounds daunting, but it's just <laughs> once a week. It's a couple hours once a week on topics that we think are relevant for companies that are preparing for scale. That can be around building a health and safety organization from the ground up. It can be about how to think about manufacturing, how to think about country entry, how to think about mm. supply chain on a global scale. These are things that Halliburton employees teach to our participant companies. But then we also reach outside of our network. We have a number of well-known VCs that we bring in and have just sort of like an ask me anything where the four companies that are with us now, their CEOs can just ask any dumb question Incredible. to a VC to get understanding around their, their the particular term sheets that they're looking at, et cetera. And so that formal programming is one aspect of it. And I should be clear, we make that available. It's up to them if they want to participate in that. There's mm -hmm. not like an obligation or anything like that. And frankly, they can invite anybody from their company. So it's not just the founding team or whatever that might be. Some of our participant companies have 20 employees. So all 20 of them could show up if it was a topic that was of interest. We make that available. And then the, the bulk of the, the program, if you will, is really access. And so it's curated mentorship engagements. We often work hand in hand. We really roll up our sleeves as the Halliburton Labs team to help them triage their problems and the challenges that they're working on. And we help them in any way that we can. And so they we're often the first port of call when they've got a question or a thing that they're thinking about. Hey, we, we're, we need to build a pilot facility. Where do we go buy the equipment? How do we engineer it? How do we tie into the utilities? How do we think about hiring? How do you think about, mm. there's a lot of, we've, we've helped support pursuit of government grants. We've helped support supply chain and logistics questions. Mm -hmm. One of our participant companies out of Tennessee, they're targeting island nations. They're targeting sort of applications around the world. And so they've got to ship a bunch of things to like Australia. And so what's the best way to do that? Well, let's have a conversation. They're, 
like I said, we're focused on helping companies scale. So many of the companies that come to us have demonstrated their technology, but now they're going to be making 200 of these things instead of they've maybe built two. Mm. And so we actually bring in our manufacturing leadership and organization to help them think about how do you design this thing to drive cost out early. And these are just a handful of examples of the kinds of things. We take a very hands-on approach with their challenges, and that is the the bulk of the program. So let's talk about these companies for a moment. What is the range of what they do from an industry standpoint? You mentioned manufacturing. We know there's technology. I just have always thought this has to do with energy and only energy. Am I right? Can you clarify really the range of founders and companies that are really, you know, the type that could engage with you guys? Sure. Our mission for Halliburton Labs is built around a recognition that the energy transition, so to speak, is real. It's unfolding, but it's also going to take a long time to sort of unfold. And it's going to require hundreds, if not thousands of different technological advancements to usher in that energy system of the future. So we actually maintain a pretty broad definition of the kinds of companies that we're sort of looking after or looking for. And that's power generation, energy storage, energy conservation, circular economy, all of these kinds of enabling technologies that are going to help bring that forward. And so it's a pretty broad spectrum, actually. Can you give us an example of a company that is doing something like really clever that you wouldn't really think about as a clean energy type thing? Sure, sure. So two maybe that I'll highlight. One is lithium-ion battery recycling technology. And so it's clear that if we're going to electrify the world as as we all want to do to achieve sort of a, a carbon zero world. That's a goal and a target. We don't have enough lithium and cobalt and rare earth metals to be able to go make that happen. So recycling is going to be an important aspect of that. But recycling capabilities today are limited in terms of the purity of output, et cetera. And so one of the companies that is participating has found a unique way. They have IP out of Oak Ridge National Lab it's a patented solvent process that delivers 99.9% purity of certain rare earth metals. They can inhale lithium ion batteries from cell phones, EVs, and grind that up and wow. get sort of purified <laughs> rare earth metals. Another one that's maybe sort of out there, it's actually a Houston-based company. They're a material science company, and they have they develop a material that can be blended into or sprayed on a variety of different substrates that basically imbue that substrate with fireproofing capabilities as well as thermal insulation capabilities. And the things that they're doing consequently can disrupt a lot of different sectors. And so they're looking at a variety of different things from residential where you can have drywall that is now fireproof to 1200 degrees Celsius that has really unique thermal insulation properties. The anecdote that we look at is if you've ever climbed up in your attic and you've got like blown in insulation, they've got that little paper strip that gives you an R value. Sure. You never did like an engineering class. You might not know what that R value means, but it's sort of a a representative of an insulation value. I did this a couple months ago and (laughs) I had like two foot of stuff blown in there. It was like an R45. Roughly a half inch of their material sprayed on achieves a thermal value of R60. Whoa. And so when you think about the space savings and the, so it's very much an energy conservation kind of play in that sense. And so to highlight some unique things. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting when you 
get to, you know, here it is, you know, I'm around the oil and gas industry a lot. I'm obviously here in Houston. And then I'm also around the angel groups and you see the entrepreneurs and you think about places like Greentown Labs where innovation is really going on. But you always hear these different arguments where people will say, okay, so if these electric vehicles are really so great for the earth, what about the batteries when you have to dispose of them and the consequences of all of these materials? And then the fact that there's a lot of materials that are used in these products that are made from the oil and gas industry. There's this very push-pull kind of thing that's going. How neat to see you guys investing and saying, how do we handle these lithium batteries? How do we make these moves? And then you take that on to just something so applicable like insulation and housing. And you know, there's all of these other components to, does the house circulate? And how are you really making an impact on that carbon footprint for society as a whole. All of this stuff is part of Halliburton Labs. Very exciting. Yeah, I'd love to hear a little more also about how Halliburton Labs fits into the ecosystem here in Houston. So we talked a little bit about Greentown Labs, which is an accelerator here in Houston. So would a company go there maybe first? And then if they came out of Greentown Labs, they might come to you as because you're going to help them scale, hence the scale rater. That's right. That's yep. right. I mean, there's an organization here in Houston called Houston Exponential that helps to kind of drive connectivity between the various startup development organizations. And they shared with me sort of a statistic that in 2015 in Houston, there were four or five what we would call startup development organizations and that Halliburton Labs was the 38th. And we're on pace to having maybe 50 here in Houston by kind of wow. the end of the year. So when you think about the density, and that includes a Greentown Labs coming to town. And so we recognize that there are a, a lot of organizations and entities that are, are mission-driven, purpose-built to help startups in lots of different ways. And so in Houston, that can be space tech, that can be medical tech, that can be energy as well. And so having a, a group like a Greentown come to town is fantastic. And I do think generally I would characterize that it would be an, an earlier stage company coming into Greentown Labs. And then at Halliburton Labs, we're there with a the catcher's mitt when they've kind of when they're done and, and are kind of geared up and ready to kind of take that next step. And so it's hard to draw like a, a clear line there, but we do share a fence line with a lot of different groups like Rice University is now launching their clean energy accelerator out of the ion. We're a founding participant in that as we really enjoy our relationship with, with Rice and many other universities around Texas, from Texas A&M to University of Houston. A member of the Halliburton Labs Advisory Board is out of Caltech, another out of Tulane. And so we really try and drive connectivity with the university systems in part because that's where mature incubators are and where sort of those graduates are looking for those next steps in, and available resources. And so really look to build those relationships and position ourselves as kind of call it the graduate program to some of those. Wow. Houston really has a lot going on. And, you know, Greentown Labs, our buddy Juliana Garizer is the one who helps run Greentown Labs. So we have a soft spot in our heart for that place. Well, and awesome. the thing is, is like, here it is. I'm friends with Juliana, right? And I just met you, Scott, I want to say just a few weeks ago yep, yep. Uh, because of the work you're doing to kind of voice what's happening here at Halliburton Labs. But what is so kind of wonderful about all of this is that through this interview even, I think it's very clear that these accelerators, these companies that are 
they might already be in the startup phase and they're in that position of wanting to grow no matter who they're with, whether it's Techstars or any of these other venture capital firms that are, have their eye on them or are helping them, or even if it's something like Greentown Labs, that everyone is a candidate to reach out to you and basically say, hey, this is what we've got. This is what we're looking to do or we've done. How do we go from here to getting past to where we're actually post-revenue really taking this to the next level? Absolutely. And, you know, you touched on something that I think is important is, you know, startups, they need access to capital. They need opportunities to demonstrate their technology. They need collisions. I like to say like a big part of a startup development organization's role is to curate collisions. And that that networking density is so important. And that's one of the things that's really a unique challenge for Houston is just geographically how spread out this place is. And so when you look at where everybody is sitting physically, Halliburton Labs being sort of here on the north part of town and sort of this constellation of different organizations around the city, there's a really cool opportunity to drive a unique environment that is sort of specific to Houston with all the different things that we're solving for. And so there's a number of things in terms of our integration and and connectivity with the investment community is we really think of ourselves as a de-risking element to to those investments. Mm. And so we've yes. actually, in our conversations yeah. with VCs, once they've sort of come onto campus and see what we're up to, they don't actually say like, hey, we've, we've got a couple of portfolio companies that we'd love to have come turn a crank in Halliburton Labs to sort of help get them to where they need to go. And, and that backstop really is something that we have found is an important element as well. That's great. And, you know, when you think about, so here it is, our audience is, a lot of angel investors, we work very heavily, you know, especially Marsha, who works inside the Angel Capital Association. There is a passion that a lot of these angels have to help entrepreneurs, especially those that are doing exactly this, wanting to scale, wanting to kind of be a legitimate threat to innovate our future and, and, and talk about sustainability. But you need money, right? And so the, within, whether you're angel investing or whether you're an entrepreneur, one of the things that really is required for things to develop as well as they can is money. Is there anything that you could share about the way the, like a company that is associated with you would find funding? And then what, you know, what kind of broadcast do you guys do to help fund the innovation? Yeah, I would say just as aggressively as we scout and pursue companies to come and participate in the program, we equally spend time with members of the investment community at large. Again, targeting those that are in that are writing checks pre-seed, seed, series A generally, but also establishing relationships kind of further down the path, those that are later stage investors as well to create a pipeline and sort of a handoff. Because we also think of when our participant companies, you know, graduate and they move on, well, they've likely secured a seed round or their series A round in the 12 months that they're with us. Well, 18 months later, they're going to be on tap for a B round. Okay. How can we continue to help them and, and carry that forward? And so we really do look further down the path, but then we also look behind us as well in earlier stage, how do we, we've had many great conversations with founders that have a great idea, but it's like, Hey, go, go run a lap with Greentown labs for a year and then come back. Mm-hmm. And then we're, but raising awareness 
of those resources. It's like, no, it's like, it's not just a no, it's just a no, not, not now, now, right? Not yet. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And it's so important, the work that you're doing, because, you know, with clean energy, these companies, they don't need just a little bit of capital. No, they need <laughs> quite a bit of capital. So all of these different points along the way, the angels that come in at the beginning and the VCs that need to be there for the B rounds and all of those relationships that are set up, it makes a lot of sense that Hal Burton Labs kind of sits in the middle of all that in the ecosystem. Well, and it's really interesting too, because a lot of energy focused companies get pretty far on non-dilutive government grants and sure. other other forms of funding. And so oftentimes when they're going to go raise their first institutional round, it's a pretty sizable round, you know, multiple millions of dollars that they're going to go raise. And, and that, that can be challenging because, and there, there are more VCs that are starting to kind of position themselves and establish their mandate that kind of fits that need. And so there's some great ones that are out there, but there is a pretty sizable gap in the Houston market for, for venture capital. And there's a lot of great work to try and bring that and create sort of a a third coast of investment here. Well, I was just going to say, it's really over the last 12 months, hearing about Greentown Labs coming here, I mean, seeing their site that's under construction, then simultaneously this Halliburton Labs buzz is going on. And then you both were, I think we should talk about the Rice University gig because you both are judges there. (laughs) Tell me, like, I mean, for those of us listening that weren't privy to what happened last night, maybe just talk us through like what is going on in Houston that doesn't even have to do with any of this. I'll let you go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Rice Business Plan competition is the world's richest university-level pitch competition. And last night, the elevator pitch event took place, 54 companies, one-minute pitch. And so Marsha knows it's uh, (laughs) cognitively challenging to keep up with uh, the barrage. 54 companies in 75 minutes. It was (laughs) like, wow, you had to be paying attention. (laughs) And it never ceases to amaze me the the kinds of companies that that come and participate. I mean, they're from all over the world, all over the U.S., prestigious universities. And these founding teams are fantastic, solving real-world problems in all sorts of different pockets of the sector. And it's really clear that the broader challenge at hand when we think about sort of a carbon zero world is human life on this planet and the kinds of things that we do and the quality of life that's driven. And energy is one component of that. Energy is an enabler for a lot of that. And so I think that's one of the things that is just really exciting about what the Rice Business Plan competition delivers and is creating this great centralizing event. If you had a chance to knock around in the showcase and the networking event. They were doing lots of different things. And so I got the chance to talk to folks in Thailand and MIT and Stanford and all these places. So That's it's just so a really cool. cool and Marsha, for you, you flew into, you know, to this experience. Like, what was your takeaway? Like, I mean, just seeing really what's going on in Houston. So I lived in Dallas for a while and there's a lot that goes on in Austin. So we hear a lot about Austin, Texas, having the entrepreneurial kind of headquarters in Texas. And that's true, but there's definitely a lot going on in Houston and more and more so over the last couple of years. So, and I think Dallas as well, but Houston's really kind of coming around. So I think there's even more that we're going to see in the next couple of years. Okay. So let's talk about some fun stuff for a minute because everyone who listens to our show knows like one of the things that is our mission is to make angel investing feel like something approachable to people who've never done it, you know, a lot of times people reference Shark Tank, but they think you have to be a millionaire. Marsha, you say that all the time. Like, you don't need the private jet 
to participate in innovation and supporting the entrepreneur community. So I think there's a lot of people that listen sometimes that are just on the fence. They look at, like, here it is, you, Scott Gale, you're the executive director of Halliburton Labs. It's a very accomplished position, but you didn't start out like just knowing everything about startups. You have really built and educated yourself through like real life experience to get where you are. Could you walk us through a little bit about your path and and kind of help it be relatable to anyone who's paying attention? Sure, sure. You know, when when we were asked to sort of take Halliburton Labs off of a PowerPoint deck and breathe life into it, there was a Venn diagram of early stage investment, clean energy, and startups. And those were blank sheets of paper for me. It was really, I had, through my MBA experience, had done a few different kinds of things here and there. But I joke that Halliburton is the youngest company that I've worked for, spent a lot of time in kind of the corporate world. Before my undergrad degree, worked in kind of a family business. And, you know, I got my first corporate paycheck when I was 13 and did a lot of sort of (laughs) early stage kinds of things. But sort of postgraduate after I got my chemical engineering degree was sort of down this path on sort of just a, a, a different world. But it always been in this kind of intersection of technology. And so it was, frankly, I picked up a book called Venture Deals by Brad Feld. Yes, I know um, that book well. <laughs> and shortly after his book, The Startup Community Way, came out in, I think, September of last year. So picked that one up as well and picked another book up called The Grid. And so, frankly, just sort of built a library of different things to say, okay, what's what's a great starting point? Had a, a couple of lucky bounces along the way in terms of connecting with some folks that really kind of knew their stuff and were willing to kind of talk me through some of the the particulars of kind of what was going on. But it was just such a great opportunity to sort of roll up my sleeves, jump in the deep end. And so if there's any sort of takeaway, it's just kind of like, you can start from wherever. I mean, yeah. you really don't have to have a particular last name or a particular number of zeros in your bank account. Really, it's driven by an interest, a passion, and It just takes a little bit of time. And I will say the thing that really I connected with was Brad Feld has this give first mentality. It's kind of a tech stars mantra, hashtag give first. And really appreciated sort of what that meant. And the way that I summarize it also internally is we build Halliburton Labs and try to create that and embed that as a part of our culture. Big corporations need line of sight to investment and returns. When you're investing in the startup community with your time and your resources, you don't have line of sight of where the good stuff is going to come from. You just know at some point, again, it's not altruistic, you know that something good is going to come from it, but you can't always pinpoint it. Mm. But unless you're in there active, you're going to be completely disconnected from it. And that really resonated with me. And so things like the Rice Business Plan competition or wherever, if I can mentor somebody or advise somebody or participate in any way that I can, I found that saying yes to a lot of those things, as many of those things as possible, really drives the opportunities to network and drives the opportunity yeah. to make an impact. That's so true. Because we were talking about this right before we recorded. If people were just an angel investing because they think they're going to get rich quick, that is not true. But there are so many other things besides getting a financial return that you get out of angel investing. And a lot of it is what's going on in your community. How many jobs are you helping? How many people's dreams are you helping to come true? So all those things are really important. You know, I I always imagine like in my, you know, here it is, we've got this podcast and we have listeners and we, you know, I always imagine like some CFO in the car listening to the podcast and has never really 
opened the door to angel investing yet. And I, I feel like it's something that comes up again and again is how you can contribute to an entrepreneur in a big way, sometimes without any money, just by having some marketing sense yeah, or some true. business advice or these mentoring opportunities. It really, you could put your foot in the water, be around this, witness deal flow before you ever really participate. I completely agree with that. I mean, I think the opportunities to sort of, and that's that's what I found is sort of at least my corporate experience, been a part of M&A deals and sort of bringing in technology and adopting technology. That's sort of like the promised land for a startup. And so helping to kind of describe, hey, what does an exit look like? What are the kinds of things, understanding strategy, understanding how you're going to take things to scale, those kinds of conversations early in the journey can really help a startup avoid a lot of the bumps and bruises along the way, get there faster. And so just making time available, sharing experience, motivating, and just, again, sort of it's an open door policy. It really is a much more enriching experience. Mm. So when it comes to Halliburton Labs, here we are, you know, our interview's almost coming to an end. As we sit here and we know Obviously, more angel groups are going to learn about what you guys are doing. I know you're getting a lot of press. There's a lot of ramping up and momentum being built. I mean, it's just obvious to me on what I see digitally, like going on with Halliburton Labs. Where do you see like this coming year? What, like you mentioned that there potentially could be 50 companies associated with you guys. What can we look forward to? What can we expect over the next year, two years with your vision? Our goal is five years from now that we will have spent a year with 75 different companies in and around the energy transition more broadly. And for us, that will help give us insights into where this transition is headed. And so for us, that's the longer term goal, but we want to create a reputation in an environment where companies want to come and that they see that as they earmark that as a part of their their experience that they know that when they're ready that they're going to apply and that it's going to be a great opportunity and that in that we have a lot of satisfied founders and participants that help to reinforce that and create a world-class experience so how does somebody find out about putting an application in you talked a little bit about a pitch competition that's happening in may so where's the best place for them to go so the easiest way is to go to halliburtonlabs.com and click apply it, the application's open all the time, but three times a year we go in and we have sort of execute our diligence process. We target to invite 10 companies to pitch as a part of our pitch event and finalist day. And then we look to select three to five companies coming out of that to come and participate. That pitch event is something that we put a lot of time and effort into to bring various participants around the investment community. And so it's a great opportunity for exposure. And it's something that from the CEO of Halliburton to our advisory board to other invited participants, this event in May will be a public event. It'll be a part of the Houston Tech Rodeo that's going on that week. And so we'll be kind of co-marketing that, that event. And so we're really excited to see kind of what that'll bring forward. But we'll do it again in September and then again in January. But we're on social media, so you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. You can track me down there as well. If you've got specific questions, you can go to contact us on the website. There's lots of different <laughs> ways to sort of we try okay. and we try and be as discoverable as possible. We're all not right, trying to right. hide. We'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> so this is almost a question for both of you guys because you are in so many pitch events. Marsha, you've invested in almost 160 companies since you even started your experience as an angel. 
both of you, I'd love you to reply to this because there's entrepreneurs that listen that always say, how do I get seen? Like, let's say I do click the apply button. What are some witty or smart or strategic things that I can do to stand out? I'll let you go first, Scott. All right. Kind of simple is just do your research. You know, we deliberately put a lot of content on the website to raise awareness of kind of what we're offering, the kinds of things we're targeting. And so you don't have to, it doesn't have to be sort of like anything like cute or like a funny joke or something to sort of like stand out. It's just like, if it's a good fit, we're there to find that out. And if you've got questions, like reach out, like don't hesitate to track us down and, and ask those questions. But I would say like, generally speaking, good advice is just to spend the time to do your research, to find where there's a fit and come with a coachability and an openness to sort of be directed and get that support. And I would say, make it clear what you're doing, especially when you're talking about clean energy or healthcare. You know, it can be pretty scientific what you're what you're trying to accomplish. And investors, they're coming at looking at your company with fresh eyes. They don't know all the things that you know. So you really have to go back to making it super simple. And to make it super simple and concise is really what's going to get people's attention. Awesome. Well, listen, I think this is really great. Like just the fact that you made time for us. Thank you very much, Scott. And the idea that, yes, Marsha's here. We're actually doing a real interview. You know, we have our six foot distance here, but (laughs) pretty neat to actually be able to sit here to do this kind of a discussion and more importantly, share this information, not just with investors, but entrepreneurs and even just spectators who just love knowing good things are happening for Mother Earth. That's right. Love it. Thank you so much, Scott. Really appreciate you being here. My pleasure. Hey guys, Marsha here. Just a reminder, for more information, you can go to angelcapitalassociation.org or if you're looking to connect with Angels Live, you can go to the show notes. Thanks for listening.